Hey, housewives, come on in. You know the dirty dishes are still in the sink from yesterday and the laundry is still in the basket. Pop your AirPods in and make yourself at home here. I'm Tracy. I'm Tori. And we are your Unlikely Housewives. Stepping out in faith and believing that God calls the unlikely, we are here to show you the appreciation and validation you deserve, lead you to authentic relationships, and release you of believing the cultural lies to restore your faith and wellness. Pull up those high-waisted yoga pants, tighten your top knot, and reheat your coffee for the third time. Turn up the volume and let's go. housewives welcome back hey housewives we're excited for another week here with a couple guests with us and i just love how god just orchestrated this reaching out i think it was joe and mel your publicist yeah publicist had reached out said that our you know values aligned and then we had an incredible call with you mel one of the coolest things about this podcasting community is that we're all in it for the same thing just to encourage people that are on the other side that are listening and I'm excited to have you guys on. So I'm going to let Tori introduce you. So as Tracy has already said, but we've got Joe and Mel Hashi. And the Hashi family was living a normal life. Joe was a high school teacher and business owner. Mel was a former social worker turned stay-at-home mom of three. Then 2020 happened and turned their family upside down. Can anyone relate? I was going to say that. (laughs) They found themselves giving up their dream home and moving 2,000 miles away to a town where they didn't know anybody. It was the best thing that could have happened for their family. Joe and Mel use their experience to build the Strong Family Co. framework that any family can use to establish values and a stress-free family leadership. Wow. Who doesn't want a stress-free family leadership? Like, that just (laughs) sounds refreshing. That may be what we call this episode, stress-free family family leadership. leadership. Yes, I think so. Well, welcome to our Housewife family, you guys. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I was looking forward to this for a while. Thank you. Oh, good. Well, hopefully you still feel that way after the interview. <laughs> like, oh, thank God it's over. But like Tracy said, we got an email in our inbox and it was just a, hey, our podcast aligns with your podcast. And we were like, okay. And then we did some recon of our own. We searched out your website, your socials, and we're like, hmm, okay. And then we scheduled a call with you. And then after talking with Mel, we were like, oh my gosh, this is so good. You guys have a very similar story as 2020 changed everything for you. Tell us a little bit about how you go from a high school teacher in New York, in New York, right? Mm -hmm. And then moving 2000 miles. Yeah. So we had kind of a standard normal life where I was a high school teacher. Mel was a social worker. We'd work our jobs. We'd come home kind of progressed up a little bit. We got this nice farmhouse we bought with six acres and a couple of ponds for our kids to get grow up and play in. We were growing a lot of our own food. It was like a very cool setup for us kind of in the, the country in upstate New York. And like I said, in the bio, 2020 happened and it really challenged our values. And so at that point I had left teaching. I had started a company called Synergy Athletics. It was a, a fitness company to help adults live longer and how there is a fitness company that helps adults live longer and healthier lives. It was a passion project of mine because I lost my father young when I was getting out of college because he never took care of himself. He was closer to 400 pounds, pack a day smoker, 
very unhealthy. His father passed when he was in high school. My father passed when he was in college. And I was like, this is not a great way to have a family legacy. I have three brothers. So there's four of us. And then I now have three sons as well. And it's not a great legacy to have all these guys that die in their fifties in our family. So we started a little gym in our basement. It got really popular. We opened up a location, then another location, then another location. And I left teaching to run those. And the reason why I share that story is because specifically the gym industry got hit pretty hard with the regulations during COVID. So we were closed in New York state for almost nine months, completely closed, could not even enter the building. Like if I went to check on the HVAC or, or even check on the property that we owned, like people would drive by and call the police on you for like, oh, there's someone in a gym, even it's just me, like, like cleaning up my wow. own building. We had break-ins, people knew that no one was at these buildings anymore. So it became a huge issue. Also, if we had invested in, because we wanted to live a kind of a simple life, we invested in a couple of duplexes. We bought a duplex, we lived in half, we rented out the other half so that we could kind of move up to that farmhouse eventually. So we started our family there and then we bought the one next to us because they had triplets and he was moving out. And then during 2020, they had the rent moratorium for, I believe, two plus years in New York. So everyone stopped paying rent. So now we have like five mortgages because we have four duplexes plus a commercial property and the law changed during that time so that no one paid rent and I could not run my business and the kids could not go to school. Mel, credit to her, she decided to, hey, like our kids aren't going to relate well to these learning online and the tablets, specifically our older one would get very distracted when we tried it for a few months. So she stepped up and homeschooled the older two for 2021. And we would basically go on what we call cussing walks. We'd go on a little walk, we'd cuss about our life, and we'd go back and start smiling with the family, get it all out of our system. I love uh, it. We just kept saying the phrase, like, we got to control the controllables. What can we actually do and can control in this situation so that we can help move our family forward? We spent that extra time together. We established more concretely our core values. And then when we looked at it through that framework, we realized that where we were living was not aligning with where we want our family to go. So I'll take it from here because this was very poignant for me. So on one of these walks, and I think we were pushing our like one-year-old in a stroller and the other two are a little older. So they got to sit home and Joe just brought up to me, he said, what if we moved? And it completely like it floored me because we have our family back there. Like we met in high school. We're from that area. That's all we've ever known. And the idea of moving had never occurred to me. This is kind of a pattern in our relationship where Joe will have this big idea and I'll be like, no way. Then the next day we're like doing it. <laughs> Basically, that's how it played out. So I was completely panicked by it. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to like leave my family. I'm going to leave everything I know. We don't know anyone. But then after the dust settled during that walk and later that evening, something just came over me like, this is kind of exciting. Like we could do something that's totally outside of our comfort zone and outside of just our little box that we're used to. And it almost like God planted this seed inside of me. I just needed that. I needed to hear something crazy. And then you kind of let the dust settle and it gets exciting. So what happened then, that very night, I just decided like internally, like I'm going to print out a list of the 50 states and we're going to just start thinking about this. So the very next morning, that's what I did. Where could we definitely not see ourselves? What kind of things do we want to look for? Now, one benefit that COVID gave us was that Joe was able to learn how to virtually manage some of the gym stuff. So like if we could do this virtually, if we have a really good team in place, we could 
go anywhere. We can move anywhere. We don't have to go somewhere because of a job. So we lived in a place where it was very cloudy. So we thought, well, let's search like where there's lots of sun. Like it sounds kind of silly, but we really just wanted like if we're really going to do this and jump into this idea, like let's search those kind of things. And we ended up in Colorado. But really, it was just him asking that question. All those terrible circumstances, our focus on what can we control and what are our values and I don't want to make it sound like overnight we just made this decision because once we decided over time during the next year, I had low moments when I'm like, well, what are we doing? This is crazy. How can I leave my parents? They're getting a little older and they're very involved with the kids. But we just realized that the opportunity cost was too great. Like there was more benefit to moving for our family, the five of us. We can't make that decision based on what we're going to lose necessarily, if that makes sense. They're very important to us. And honestly, when they come visit, we almost have better time together because it's all like time of high value. We go do stuff together. They're here all the time. 2020 turned everything around for us, but we would never have been able to make that decision to move had we not had our family values set. Because once we looked at all of our values, for example, be adventurous, have gratitude, these different things, all of them pointed to moving, even though my emotional state was like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. But that's how we ended up here. And one more thing to say on that, and it goes back to the family values, like taking the time to actually establish them. There are a lot of valued families where they they believe in a lot of good things, but you really should take the time to establish what are the core values, the core tenets of your family that you make decisions on. And one of ours is wanting to be together. And this was the reason why I wanted to move. And it wasn't necessarily sunshine. Well, that's nice. And things like that was the reality that in the area we were in, the majority of graduates move away. And what Mel was feeling, the pull to stay, we basically had to have a real honest conversation with, all right, well, are we going to ride it out and then have our kids graduate? And then use that parental pressure to try to get them to stay in an area that might not have the economic opportunity that they need. Or are we going to make the tough decision and put them in an area where there's tons of economic opportunity, where they can be any kind of profession they want, and they're more likely to be around and be successful? And are we going to be the ones to make the hard decision? Are we going to force that upon our kids to decide after they get out of college? And so we stepped up there, I think third grade, fifth grade, where it's like, all right, well, it's either now or it's going to, like, we're not going to be able to move well when they're in high school. It's not going to be as practical. Like, it's either now or it's we're going to push this decision on our kids and just say, oh, uh, we didn't expect you to have this problem as you get up. Like, we had to be real about it and have that conversation. We want to be together. We want to have the opportunity to have our kids around and grow around them. So we had to pick, uh, all, all signs pointed to us picking a different area. But really, this is kind of the interesting thing about our relationship. Like I will tend to focus on certain areas. Joe will tend to focus on other things. I didn't necessarily think about the economic opportunity. I was more excited (laughs) about other aspects. But that's where, like we talked about the stress-free leadership. Like this is part of it. Like Joe's a great leader. And I oftentimes need time to come around to his ideas, but they're almost always really good for our family. And I know they're always focused on what's best for the family. So, okay, I want to go back to my first question being, were the core values that you created for your family developed out of 2020 or did you have them before? So our concrete core values came around in early 2020, but it was a little bit of a realization before because I was teaching high school seven, let's see, I was running the gym six till seven, school started 7.30 to 2.50 and then I was running the gyms three until 7 p.m. and doing both jobs for a couple of years. 
we realized that I was focusing more on my career than I was on my family. The blessing in disguise there is that I had to learn how to run a business because I hadn't done it before. And you go into these businesses, you see mission statements and core values and, and meetings and all these things to run a well-organized business. But a lot of people don't do it in the family. So we thought about what are the best aspects of running a company that we could actually apply and help run our family better? Because we're putting so much effort into this area. Why don't we just reuse it for this area as well? And so we had done core values for the company and do business consulting. So I helped teach companies to how to create core values. And that was absolutely critical to do for our family. So it was a longer process. We did it and we came around with concrete ones in 2020, but it came out of that process of realizing there's a lot of good organizations in our life, whether it's church life, whether it's businesses you attend that are doing cool things, you could just take them and apply them. It's almost like serendipitous that we started working on our core values before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you know, out of crisis does come opportunity, but I almost think we wouldn't have been able to make some of the decisions we needed to make had we not thought about those values before. I think it was almost the summer or the fall before everything happened that we started to set them up. That's awesome because we talked about this originally too. Like I've always said, oh, we need to do this. We need to have this conversation as a family. And we know kind of like what you said earlier, Joe, like families know what they value, but it's like really what are the core values that you want to live on and impress upon your kids to continue? This foundation is absolutely something that I still desire, you know, and my kids are 15, 13, 11 and nine. And I want to make sure that those values get brought in. I was going to say one of the side benefits of the values that we didn't expect is we we do practice them every week. The kids share how they embody them, but they really use the values and how they select friendships, which we didn't expect at the beginning because they're running it through the filter. Like my core values be adventurous. We have kids into mountain biking and rock climbing and things like that. So, well, these other kids are nice kids, but they go home and they're playing their video games all day. They're not interested in any of the things that I'm interested in. And I want to continue to be adventurous. So they select their friend groups based on what you choose as your unique family core values. That's incredible because, I mean, one, kids have such a hard time picking friends, right? And sometimes they're friends out of convenience. Mm -hmm. And so when they're able to make Mm -hmm. that choice of like, hey, again, part of learning about friendships is, I mean, not everybody has to be your best friend. You can be friends with somebody, but they don't have to be your everything. And so like, that's certainly part of it. But I want to go back to because I find a lot of ministries and nonprofits don't do this kind of thing because they don't have a business mindset, because they don't have their core values set up to be successful in a way like they're like, we want to help the homeless. Great. But they're so focused, but you have to run it as a business at the same time to be successful because you see so many nonprofits just floundering, but it's the really good ones. So, of course, it makes sense that a business mindset, framework, strategy would only help a family grow, build and be strong and set a good foundation. We almost use a different phrase. Like we try to say we want to run our family as a high functioning organization. Mm -hmm. So I think when you say the word business, people just think money. Yeah. And I don't think that's fair, but I think maybe that's part of the problem with some of those nonprofits where they don't want to have it sound like they're just there for money or something. But when it comes to our family, even when you mention the word meeting, it sounds like boring and Mm -hmm. nobody likes a meeting, but We've created it in this way, and we'll talk about that another time, but we created it in a way that the kids are excited 
They're a piece of the puzzle. They get to contribute and they're excited about it because they get to bring up things that are on their minds and they're part of the problem solving team. So it's really we're trying to set up this team in our home that we can depend on each other, talk to each other, rely on each other so that when they go out into the world, they've already been part of a high functioning organization, which leadership is a huge piece of. So they learn a lot about that. Like Joe leads the meetings and we all contribute. So they understand what that's like to be part of a meeting, be part of a high functioning organization instead of like, we're not just five people living under the same roof. We're five people that are a part of this organization. And the core values are just the foundation for all of it. And to your point, I think it's Brene Brown that says clarity is kind, a very simple saying. And when people have business or ministries or charities, they have a vague idea that they want to do good and they don't define it down to like, what is our clear function and what do we value to make that become true? I see it a lot in the business world where they want to accomplish this thing. I think it's Damon John says, first you have to make it, then you can matter. Like that's the reality of the situation. You have to make it, you have to make an impact and then you can impact more. You can't just say, hey, I want to do good in the world. Okay, well, you need to make that come true and then you can matter on a bigger level. So getting clear on exactly where you want to go and what you stand for is a critical part of that. I think there's almost this sense of safety and vagueness. Like you don't want to like marry yourself to a certain thing. But once you get through the process of creating values, that is freeing. Because now whenever your family has a decision to make, if there's a spat between the siblings, we can refer to the family values. One of ours is be accountable. So if the kids are fighting, okay, I want to hear what your piece of this is. What's your piece? That's being accountable. We use that language. So I think it's getting through that friction of like, well, I kind of like vagueness because what if I change my mind? But really, we all know that kids want structure and value provide. They might not say they want structure, but they thrive in structure. They do. And the values provide that for your family. I love some of the things, and I hope our listeners are feeling the same way about what you guys are talking about, is a lot of our families do some of this stuff. However, we need to take it to the next level. Like at dinner time, there's obviously six of us sitting around the table too. And we've had to, now that they're older, really go, okay, active listening. Like before you speak, stop and listen to what they're saying so that you can know how to respond first. That's perfect. And that's well said. I think there's a a big piece of this that goes kind of underappreciated is that no one really teaches us how to run families on a tactical level. Like we get structure from biblical teachings and you learn from community, but this is really something you can create and make a legacy project. So you're teaching your kids how to grow and lead a family so that they just don't get thrown out there and be like, I don't know, I'm going to figure this out. Like yeah. if you teach them how to set core values, you teach them how to run a family meeting and you set a high standard for family life, it is much more likely that they're going to be able to do that themselves and you have more successful children. I think that is part of our, our passion as parents to make sure that we do that. And this is like a gift to them on how we you can run a family. I love that you brought that up because really when you meet someone and you get married, and this is what I always wanted, like, okay, I'm going to finish high school. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to follow this typical path. But then I never like thought about how are we going to run our family? We just kind of assumed it would happen on its own. And I guess you assume, well, I Did I have a good upbringing? Do do people even really think about that? Uh, Or are you just kind of lucky that you had good parents? So there's just not a lot of intentional information given. I guess you just kind of depend on what you were given. And we don't like that idea. We want to be very intentional. We mentioned the walks earlier. That's when we oftentimes talk about parenting strategies and things going on. 
I usually overthink, but I want to put a lot of thought into how I'm raising my kids. I need to have a conversation with this one about his schoolwork. How am I going to do that to make sure that I'm giving him what he needs, that I'm basing it on our values? And a lot of these things need to be thought out and discussed and based on values and not just like spur the moment. I think things tend to unwind very quickly when you just react. The other thing the values do is create that situation where you don't have to react. You can base it on that. To hammer that point home, your kids are going to have values. It's going to be whether you teach them the values or you're going to leave it up to chance. And maybe they absorb some good ones from a teacher or a coach or external source. Maybe they absorb some bad ones from different inputs that you not necessarily want in your family. And so they're going to have values. Like, Are you going to be the one that teaches or are you just going to leave it up to chance? I love that. And I think having core values will help have the conversations with middle schoolers because instead of coming at them with what isn't acceptable or this isn't a good person to align with or whatever, because I know, trust me, I've had these conversations with mine, being able to go to them and say, hey, this is a value we have as a family. Does that connect? And let them decide what power you're giving your kids I cannot wait to do this. <laughs> that's, that's extremely well said. Very well said. And the way yeah. you even worded it's so intelligent because you're not telling them what to do. You're more asking them, is this right for you? For them to be able to answer that question, you've already established the value. So the yeah. answer is pretty predetermined. And it creates friction for them. And it also makes them critical thinkers. Yeah. And even sometimes, so I sit down with my boys at night, the older two, and we look at a Bible verse. There's this app I use it as a little video explaining the Bible verse. What's the app? <laughs> so it's called U version. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So every day they have a little video. And I love that because I don't necessarily know how to explain these verses, but these people do. <laughs> it's people from all walks of life. It's really, really cool. I'll oftentimes say to them, because I'll, I'll kind of know something happened at school. Maybe one of my kids didn't make a good decision or whatever. And I think about it in terms of the verse or I'll say, well, you know, at the end of the day, would God have wanted you to do that? And then like in their mind, they're like, oh man, like they know that they were wrong, but they kind of still hold on to it. And I'm not going to hammer it home and make them feel terrible. I want to teach them how to think through it so that next time they can make a better decision. Just like you said with the friends. Okay, you've got this kid. We had this with one of our kids where it's a friend that he can hang out with at school, but is this going to be someone that we're going to invite over? Or is it going to be someone that I'm going to let you go do a sleepover at his house? And he actually came and I didn't say yes or no, but I discussed it with him. And I think a few weeks later, he came to me and he was like, yeah, that's probably not someone I'd want to spend the night at their house. We're guiding them to the decision that we hope they make. Yeah. But truly, they need to be able to do that because our, I'm always saying this on, on our podcast. Our kids are kids right now, but they will be adults eventually. And I even say it to them. I say, you don't just wake up when you're 18 or 21 and suddenly know how to live life and know how to make good decisions. It's all based on the things that we do now. Yeah. And we see promise in all of our kids, of course, but we see a big difference in our five-year-old because he's the only one out of the three that we've had the values around for his whole actually life. actually had our stuff together. <laughs> So our oldest is 13. So we have 13, 11, and five. And we came up with the values when the older ones were maybe, I don't know, seven and five, maybe eight and six, something like that. So I feel like seeing how different our youngest is, having the values in his life since birth, basically, it makes a big impact. Now, having said that, you can come up with values at any point when your kids are growing up. And I think the older that they are, the more they can be involved in that process too. 
I'm not going to say to my three-year-old, like, hey, what value do you think should be on our family list? But as the kids get older, they have incredible input Mm -hmm. and they can be part of that process too, which is very empowering for them. Yeah. Well, a couple things. First of all, I'm just so motivated by you guys. So thank you. Secondly, can you guys go back to how you did this as a family, right? Like I know you said you can ask them and you can involve them, but what does that look like? Because I think that's the overwhelming piece for most families Mm -hmm. and parents is like, I'd love to sit down with my kids and do this, but I got to have a plan going in because it could get crazy. (laughs) And I know we're going to talk about this in another episode with you guys, more about what a family meeting looks like and some examples of core values. But if you want to just give kind of a snippet of overview. Yeah. So this is a a process I I teach a lot with my business consultant clients when they're doing company core values. And we apply the same thing to our family. And it's a pretty simple process called kill, keep, or combine where Mel and I independently, and you can involve older kids as well, you write down everything you think is valuable, just a complete brain dump, get as much down as possible on a sheet of paper. Then when you meet, you write them all up on the board, combine everyone's list, and then you go through and you go one by one and either kill it, cross it out, like, hey, this is a good value, but it might not be a core value, or keep it, like, this is really important, or combine it. If she writes thankfulness and I write gratitude, like, okay, let's just choose one word. Let's combine it. And you start whittling down the list so it's not so overwhelming. Then you get it down to eight to 10. You practice with them for a couple of weeks to say, kind of chew on it a little bit, see what's what right. And then once you get that smaller list, then it's a good time to involve the kids because now you have, like, it could go anyway. And them having some ownership in the process is cool too. Yeah. We like to whittle it down though to five to seven. There's a saying, what's memorable is portable, as in if they can remember it, they'll always be carrying it with them because they always have their thoughts with them. And so if you have a huge list, it gets too overwhelming. So get it down to as small as possible on your list. And that's exactly how we do it. There's another small technique that might help people out called bracketed decision making. You can imagine like a tournament bracket, like they do that, the March Madness, where it's like, all right, instead of looking at this whole list, we've got it down to 10. Like this one or this one, which one is better? And then you cross out the other one, this one, or you do two at a time to get it down to a more digestible amount. And then the next step is once you get it down, there's no real right or wrong core values. It's for your own family. The critical part is how you implement it, which I know you'll be talking about. And we do it a lot in the family meetings. We practice it every week. We put it, they're on the wall. They're on bookmarks that the kids use. There's a lot of ways you can talk about implementing it. But once you choose it, you just get after it. And you can live with it for a couple months. And if something is really not sitting well, you can bring it up at a family meeting. Hey, like, how are you guys feeling about this value? Does this really go with who we are? Mm -hmm. Because again, you're not like doing it for a grade at school. Like there's no right or wrong. And we don't mind sharing our values, but it's almost like a guide. Like here's what we came up with. But I remember one of you had mentioned you have like a real sports loud kind of family. Really That's me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I feel like that is something that might not fit with like our style, but I mm-hmm. love how every family can have its own unique values. Another little piece for people to involve younger kids is once we came up with ours, I made little bookmarks with the values written down, but I know some families out there are super creative. You can make a mural on your wall. You can have artwork made if one of your kids wants to make some artwork to display it. So there's many ways to include them. Even if you write them and let's see why your kids like stickers, like decorate it with stickers. So some way you're involving them into the process based on the appropriateness of what the age level is. 
we had talked about it before. Yes, we are the loud family. And when you started talking about teams, I was like, oh, I love that because we've called ourselves Team Stein since our kids were little because we do love sports. All our kids play sports. So even our little group family text chat is called Team Stein. So I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. We grew up in a sports family. And so maybe one of your core values you explore is maybe you start with like support each other and then maybe you change it to like be there for each other because they need to understand that they're not the only individual in the family. Like I said, I have three brothers, just four of us. We all pretty much played baseball, football, basketball. And sometimes we get in our own world and like, oh, well, I want to go do this thing. But this person has a travel game. Like you got to, you got to, there's going to be some sacrifice in there when you have a a bigger family. So maybe you explore that as one of your core values so that they can carry it with them. This also made me think of the other benefit of creating core values is that you create an identity for your family. When you said Team Stein, it made me think of this because you, it sounds like the six of you, that you're part of something special. Mm -hmm. You know that you're part of this team. And then you can just further define that with your values. I think a compliment that someone at school gave my middle son is like, he just kind of seems to know who he is. A lot of kids, especially in middle school, kind of flail about. They go wherever the wind takes them. And I think there's a Bible verse about that. Like, you have this path that you want to stay on and things are going to come up. And it could be gossip over here. It could be pretty girl over there, whatever. And it might just take you off that path. And we want to try to keep our kids on this path. Obviously, there's wiggle room. But we don't want them to just blow away with every whim and every trend that comes along. So that's really what values do. Are you making decisions based on these values? I mean, this is a daily thing for us. And as our kids are getting older, I'm much more comfortable with the little. And he's happy. He's easy. Like we can hang out and do whatever. The older ones certainly have some more challenges now as they get older into middle and then high school next year. This might not be where you're going with this, but it does remind me of like the parable of the reaper and the sower. One of my favorite parables in the Bible where they're talking about it and like basic premise. You have to tend your field and know what you're about. Like birds will come and take some of your seeds. Some of your seeds will fall on rocks and don't grow. Like that's called life. That happens. Like don't go chasing birds and don't try to grow seeds on rocks. Like stick in your lane and do what is effective. Exactly. And like I said a second ago, I'm glad you said that. We're always tending to this garden. Like all the time on these walks. And I think I almost exhaust Joe with how much I want to tend to this garden because I have to process it and talk about it. And sometimes it's like a little bit too much, but I want to always try to be bringing them back to the path because I'm not, I'm not going to lie and say each of my kids is going to turn out perfect because we did this, but I can't live with myself if I'm not doing everything in my power to bring them back to the path. And that oftentimes means bringing them back to the core values. One of the things that I just keep thinking about as you guys are talking is we come from two different families where marriage comes together and you're constantly in this battle of how I was raised or how you were raised or what did you want? What did you want? Like, that's part of the marriage struggle and in parenting, like he parents one way, I parent another. Instead of like it being this like constant battle, like what is it that our values are for our kids coming together? There's a lot of things that breaking the multi-generational curses, the things that have just always stuck around that, hey, maybe we don't want to have in our family and or we want it to look differently. Like coming up with these core values gives us that foundation to move forward on. I almost think it should be a requirement before people get married. Like during the engagement, during the engagement period, like you should start coming up with your values. Yeah. Or at least write a list I think this would make for such deep conversations, which it did for us. Like you have a list, I have a list. We take a few weeks to come up with these lists. Mm -hmm. And then we sit down and we compare notes. 
you probably will learn a lot about your spouse-to-be while having those conversations. And then you can more solidify who you're becoming as a, as a team, as a couple. Yeah. My other question is for Joe, because ladies, we love to do this. Like we love to just get to the heart of things and really get to that. Like not all of us. Well, no. Okay. She's different. (laughs) She still likes us too. But this whole like getting to like, okay, what can we do for our kids to help them be successful? And I'm with you, Mel. I'm a processor. I like to overthink and talk through things and probably why I'm so motivated by this. But for women to bring this to their men, because we are housewives are a lot. There are men that listen, but a lot more are women. For women to bring this to their husbands and say, hey, I'd love to do this. What's the one thing that helped you want to do this? Obviously, your business mindset, but what would be the encouragement there for women? Two different paths. And that's a great question. because I was asked this by uh, someone at our company whose husband was a little less receptive. It wasn't like against it. It was just like, all right, well, maybe it's just another thing to do. First, like asking questions to use this as a tool and not saying like, hey, let's do our core values. Say, do you think it's important that our family has core values? Well, you ask, it's like, obviously, yes. Okay, well, what do you think those are? And you just ask inquisitive questions. You're like, you know what? Maybe we should start writing this down and come up with our core values. And so sometimes when Mel comes up with an idea and she throws it out there, like I get overwhelmed with the process of it all. I like to be very decisive. Like, all right, let's just do this thing. And she'll say, well, what about this situation? All right, well, let's do this thing then. Well, no, I don't want to do that either. Well, then what, let's do this thing. Like, I just want to do and learn and then change. And she wants to think and have the list down so that the first thing we do is as best as possible, which I get too. So it's kind of balancing those needs. So the first thing back is to ask questions and kind of guide the person where you want to go. One of our company core values is meet people where they're at. And so people will come in at very different fitness levels and and comfort levels with going into a facility and saying like, Hey, I want to work on my body. There's a barrier there to to overcome, to be able to do that. And so we have to meet them where they're at now. Like, okay, well, here's the greatest exercises like that. We're not going to apply what we know to you. We're going to learn what you want and then kind of guide you along your path. And that same process figuring out these things as a couple is important. It's not just doing something to the other person. It's coming up with a way to guide each other along a stronger path. If you look at your own family situation, and let's say you're struggling with one of the kids. In our relationship, Joe is the problem solver. He likes to come up with the solution and move on it. So maybe there's a way to frame it. We're like, hey, we're having this struggle with this kid. I think that having these core values will help us as a family move forward with this problem and find a better solution. And it'll give us more structure of how to figure things out versus just reinventing the wheel every time a new problem comes up. So I think a lot of it is based on the personality of your husband. If it's someone who likes to problem solve, like this is an avenue to problem solving. Mm -hmm. So almost knowing what they're about, and like you said, meeting them where they're at, and then using a strategy for that particular personality type or whatever. I love that. Okay, before we wrap it up, can you share your family's core values? So the first, Joe already mentioned wanting to be together. That's a huge one for us. It's really about spending quality time, not just living under the same roof together. So are we going to all sit down with our devices after dinner or are we going to go for a family walk? The values clearly point to the walk. Another we've talked about is having gratitude. So that's huge for us. We share that at dinner every night. Our five-year-old actually, his task is to go around the table and decide who gets to share their gratitude in what order. And sometimes he even chases our 13-year-old around the house. (laughs) To tag him for his turn. It's become gratitude tag. Another is I mentioned earlier, be accountable. So we all need to be responsible for our choices and not blame other people. 
Another is personal development. So we always want to be forever learners. Like once you graduate high school, you haven't finished your learning. We always can learn something new. And we've certainly done that with even the values, like coming up with values is learning something new. Another we mentioned is be adventurous. That doesn't just mean like go on hikes. Like it means trying things that are outside of your comfort zone. I mean, we did move to Colorado in large part because we can do more outdoor activities, which is part of our family identity. But it's also just means doing things outside your comfort zone. Be genuine. Be genuine is the last one, yeah. which we had an interesting conversation on. We actually talked about it on our podcast recently that be genuine, like you can pursue the activities that you enjoy and you are a unique person. You bring unique qualities to the group. However, we balance it out with professional development because you can't genuinely be a couch potato that wants to do nothing. Because uh, <laughs> we had we had an interesting conversation to make sure that they understand the unique value and person that they are. However, it is their responsibility to bring that to fruition as much as they can in their life. And so that that's how we balanced it out a little bit. And what's cool with that one, too, is we do have a family identity, but then each person within the family is obviously super unique. Our kids all have such different talents and interests. And I do think this particular value helps our oldest, especially. He loves like robotics. He loves 3D printers. He, that's like his obsession right now. And we have found him ways to be able to do that outside of school. But I think that desire that he has inside of him to be himself helps him get through school. School isn't his favorite. So I think just having that be part of our value system helps him realize like when I'm outside of school, my parents are going to support me in these things that make me unique. So that really has helped us. That's a good one. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yes, thank you. Well, this has been awesome and great and has definitely been encouraging for our listeners. And I know for Tracy and I as well. And I know that we are going to go into more depth with core values and what a family meeting looks like with UMEL. And we're very excited about that. But in the meantime, where can our listeners find you, follow you, get some of your resources or get to learn more about you guys and what your strategies are? I really appreciate that. We love the conversation. We always take things from conversations too. Most of our materials over at strongfamilyproject.com. We talked about core values and meeting. That's two of the seven steps of the strong family path that we encourage parents to walk on. We give that away for free. They can print out examples of core values and, and our process in creating those and how we run a family meetings all over there. And a couple of days ago, actually, we just finished our book, which is a strong family guidebook, which is on Amazon. It's a, a shorter book that guides people exactly what we're talking about today, tells a little bit more of our story. We made it under $10. So we get it out there more to more families because that is really what we're passionate about is to help people take these steps and make them practical. So not getting overwhelmed, like we talked about with mm -hmm. core value setting, not getting overwhelmed with like, all right, I need to have a structured time about a meeting. Like, here's exactly how you can do it. Just follow the guidebook, implement one step at a time and whatever your family's pace is. And that's really what we're passionate about, that families can have the structure that they can then pass to the next generation as well. And we are on Facebook and Instagram. And we actually have another Strong Family Life on Facebook that you could join. And Joe's always posting videos on there. And we're trying to create a community through that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for your time today. It's been very encouraging and motivating and we so appreciate it. And we know that our listeners have absolutely learned a lot from this. Right around the new year is a great time to start planning your 2024 family values and things like that. 
Yes. Perfect timing. Well, this is homework for Team Stein. Let me tell you. I do want to get updates. (laughs) Exactly. Well, until next time, Housewives. See you next week. Bye. Whether we made you laugh or cry today, we pray you feel appreciated, bolder and braver than yesterday, stronger and more faithful for tomorrow and living in who you were made to be today. Join our online community on Facebook, link in the show notes, and be sure to review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Until next time, housewives, we give you permission to walk confidently, free, and to be intentional in your slippers or stilettos.